A U.S. Supreme Court ruling on new abortion laws in Texas are catching headlines. Professor John Graby dives into it. This is The Legal Impact, the weekly podcast presented by the University of New Hampshire Franklin Pierce School of Law. Now accepting applications for JD, graduate programs, and online professional certificates. Learn more and apply at law to UNH.edu. Opinions discussed are solely the opinion of the faculty or host and do not constitute legal advice or necessarily represent the official views of the University of New Hampshire and UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. So, John, what is this recent abortion law that was passed in Texas, a very well-known conservative stronghold? Yeah, I mean, this is a new type of law. Um, this is a law passed by the legislature, which seeks to actually, um, uh, you know, un- uh, s- largely stop abortions in the state of Texas. Now, of course, abortion is still legal. Uh, abortion is still a constitutionally protected right. Um, and what this law does is to actually try to disincentivize uh, providers of abortion from providing abortions. Instead of a law that, that outlaws abortions, uh, the, the, the Texas legislature enacted a law that invites lawsuits against those who provide abortions and those who aid and bet, abet uh, providers of abortions or persons getting abortions. Uh, it fixes a statutory penalty of $10,000. Anyone in the country can bring a lawsuit in a Texas mm-hmm. court. Um, and so, uh, of course, this is going to have a tremendous chilling effect. In fact, uh, abortion providers throughout Texas have stopped performing abortions. Per the law, anyone can be sued under this law uh, if they, uh, if they uh, abort a fetus uh, where the fetal heartbeat is detectable, which is about six weeks. Now, under constitutional law right now, uh, the, the Constitution protects... Uh, the right to abortion up to the point of viability, which is the point, the approximate point where the, the fetus could live outside the womb. That's like 22 to 24 weeks. So this law is patently unconstitutional under current law, but there's really no way to bring a lawsuit to enforce it, because whereas usually what you'd see is a legislature enacting a law um, saying no abortions you know, beyond six weeks, you could bring a lawsuit against the state official who would enforce the law. Uh, that's not how this statute works. This statute actually bans any state officials from enforcing the law and invites lawsuits from third parties. And, and you don't have to be personally involved in the pregnancy at issue. Um, anyone in the country who's aggrieved can bring the lawsuit. Um, Which just opens up for activist groups, I'm assuming, and such to really step up. That's right. That's right. And that's the plan, I think. Um, and so the law was challenged. A lawsuit was brought against uh, both state judges um, who were what, what the plaintiff sought was to preclude state judges from accepting accepting filings uh, in uh, a lawsuit such as this and actually against an anti-abortion activist in the state of Texas. Now, the activist, an individual, submitted an affidavit saying he's not going to bring a lawsuit. Um, and there are problems with suing state court judges in federal court. Uh, this gets into complex federal courts law, mm. but basically judges are immune from suit. You also can't sue the legislature directly because of legislative immunity. And so there are some some somewhat difficult procedural questions at the threshold. The district court was poised, found there to be standing, was poised to consider whether to enter an injunction preventing the law from going into effect. But the Fifth Circuit intervened uh, and and took the case from the district court um, and said that it's just going to hear arguments, uh, you know, at a more routine and typical level. Uh, an effort was brought to get the Supreme Court, the U.S. Supreme Court, to stay the law, uh, and the Supreme Court didn't do that. Uh, in a five to four decision, they let the law go into effect with the five most conservative members of the court uh, saying that um, they're not expressing any view on the merits uh, of the abortion question, but that there are difficult procedural questions 
that do not warrant intervention by the Supreme Court at this time. Very, very strong uh, dissents by each of the four dissenting justices, which included Chief Justice Roberts and the court's three liberals, Justice Breyer, Justice Sotomayor, Justice Kagan. Yeah, this is like from a like totally from start to finish is it this just uh to me reeks of just political playing to to make a law as as opposed to just saying hey we're we know we can't do it this way we're just going to make it every difficult every possible way and it seems like they really thought through how difficult it would be able to play through uh the courts because i mean that is the big political move right now is to make the courts um, knowing the courts are going to rule a certain way and just make it play it specifically to make it work through that way. Yeah, I mean, it's clear that the legislature sought to make it impossible for abortions to take place in Texas, uh, but uh, it did not want to do so directly uh, in a way that would invite a lawsuit that would in- invite then, you know, that law being put on hold immediately because, you know, existing Supreme Court law would not forbi- uh, would not permit that. Um, I and, also, and, oh, and for the record, the conservative justices on the court, on the U.S. Supreme Court, about right said like Roe is Roe still stands. So if you're, they already said you got to do something else if you want to make this come to fruition. Yeah, I mean there've been a couple of abortion cases that have gone to the Supreme Court in the last couple of years, uh, and and neither those cases have not yielded a ruling uh, causing the court uh, to to significantly scale back on the Roe right. There is a case on the court's docket for argument this fall that once again does put into question the continuing vitality of Roe versus Wade. Uh, it's a case from Mississippi. Uh, many observers think that it is going to be a vehicle to, at the very least, uh, really roll back abortion rights. Um, some think that it'll become a vehicle actually for overruling Roe versus Wade. Uh, but that's not going to happen for months. Meanwhile, in Texas, providers are not going to provide abortions right now. I mean, they will be sued. The law contains all sorts of strange provisions. Uh, it says that if they are sued and they prevail, they cannot be awarded attorney's fees, uh, but the other side can be awarded attorney's fees. Uh, there's a provision in the law that says abortion providers or those sued cannot raise the constitutional rights of women seeking abortions. They need to raise only their own rights. Now, all of these are legally problematic, yeah. but you need to get into a federal court and have a court evaluate and and you know, issue remedies accordingly. And at the threshold, there is this question about getting into federal court. Um, there certainly are theories, uh, and, and I think the four dissenting justices uh, uh, are, were, were, were quite ready to embrace a theory that at least let's at least put this on hold for right now while we work this all out. But, you know, many, many think it's pretty telling that the five more conservative justices decided to let this law go into effect because it really is a subterfuge, as you said. And uh, I'm not terribly surprised necessarily that Roberts decided to go with the liberal justices on this. No, I mean, he has in previous cases made clear that he is uh, that he cares probably more than than the other conservatives uh, about the court as an institution. He's more of an incrementalist. He's more of a minimalist. And so in in recent case, for example, um, he, you know, he's. He, I think he's pretty clearly anti-abortion. I think he's pretty yeah. clearly voting on his yeah, own. Yeah, make no mistake yeah. about that. To, no, to... <laughs> no, exactly. He's a, he's he's a quite conservative, but he also believes in a doctrine known as stare decisis, mm-hmm. which is Latin to stand by the precedents, and that when the court doesn't do that, it damages its 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 impression. The imp- it, it damages the notion that it's a law court and not just simply another place where partisan politics play out within our political order. 
uh, I think Roberts cares about that very deeply. And so it is telling that he joined with the liberals in this case. Now, what's important about the six weeks they decided to pick for, for, the, for the limit? Is it just we're, we're going to take it to as far as we humanly can? Yeah, these the, and the, this is not the only fetal heartbeat law that's been enacted. Right. There are others, other such laws have been enacted in other states, and those have been enjoined because they're clearly at odds with current Supreme Court law. Uh, but about six weeks is where a fetal heartbeat is detectable. Um, and so that seems to be uh, what you know, what opponents of abortion are shooting for right now. Um, Many people do not even know that they are pregnant uh, after six weeks. So, you know, the effect of this is really quite chilling, um, and it does seem to be working. It does seem as though uh, abortions are are largely not happening right now in the state of Texas, if uh, if news accounts are to be believed. How emboldening do you feel like this is going to be for other states or other activists right now outside of Texas? Well, it's, I mean, it's just a blueprint. I mean, if Texas can do it and if the court's going to let it stay into effect, you know, in states uh, with legislatures that are anti-abortion and with governors who are anti-abortion, and there are many such states, um, it would be a simple matter uh, to copy this law uh, and to enact it. Now, if this becomes a widespread technique, though, of seeking to circumvent constitutional rights, you know, well, well, others can play this game, too. I saw today on Twitter somebody saying, well, if this is okay, there's nothing to stop New York, for example, from passing a law uh, saying that anyone who aids or abets somebody in the purchase or possession of a handgun should be subject to a lawsuit by bounty hunters (laughs) such as this. The traditional rule of don't enact a law you don't want used against you. There's so many times in politics where that's really come up. And one of the key examples to me was the um, the getting judges through during Obama that the that the uh, Republicans in Congress did during Trump's first term for, to get all their judges in. Yeah, I mean it's been asymmetrical political warfare. You know, yes. I mean I, I I would have to say that you know I throw that out as an example, but I don't expect that the legislature in New York would enact such a law. First of all, such a law would 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 likely be unpopular in the state, mm-hmm. but. Also, I mean, this is this is really pushing beyond the limits of, you know, what legislators swear an oath of office to do. They swear uh, to uphold and defend the Constitution. And in our constitutional order, that means respecting judgments by the U.S. Supreme Court about what the Constitution means, even if you disagree with those judgments. That's not taking place right now in the state of Texas. And I'd imagine other states that had that will we'll blatantly have issues in the state constitution that these crazy workarounds won't necessarily work as effectively. Yeah, I mean, it, if state constitutions were construed to protect abortion rights, uh, where even in the circumstances where, where the federal constitution might not anymore, um, you know, that you know, state constitutional law could come into play. But in the states that are like Texas in that they're controlled by legislatures and the governor's office is occupied by, by opponents of abortion, uh, it's, uh, it's unlikely that those states would have uh, constitutional provisions protecting abortion. Now, what about the viability uh, marker that you that you, you mentioned was 20, 22 weeks, something to that effect? It's like somewhere between 22 and 24 weeks, as I understand it. And that's basically via case law that that kind of uh, that time frame came to be? Yeah. I mean, in the original decision, which was Roe versus Wade in 1973, there was the court set up a trimester system. Mm-hmm. First trimester, the state can't regulate the abortion decision at all. In the second trimester, the state can regulate, but only to protect maternal health. 
And it was only in the third trimester, which roughly accords with the point of viability, that the state's interest in the potential human life, that is the fetus, becomes sufficient that the state can regulate and even outlaw abortions, so long though as it makes an exception for maternal health and safety. Um, that whole approach was actually abandoned in a case called Planned Parenthood versus Casey, which was decided in 1992, um, in a case that many thought was going to overrule Roe versus Wade. It didn't, but it, it established viability as a point up to which women can choose to terminate a pregnancy. Um, but the state can now regulate prior to viability to discourage um, um, uh, abortion and to encourage childbirth. Post-viability, states can regulate and can even ban. There's still supposed to be an exception for maternal life and maternal health. A lot of these recently enacted laws are not making such exceptions, nor are they making exceptions for rape or incest. And I'd imagine, I mean, well, I guess I can't imagine, I'm, I guess this is a question. Um, how much of an impact is the developments in healthcare over the last 30 years where basically there are babies that are born crazy early in the, in the, um, in the pregnancy and live and live the, as adults now, they, they live full lives. I mean, how much of an impact is the developments in healthcare having as a case one side or the other on this? Well, my understanding, and I'm not an expert in this, but my yeah. understanding is that yes, the point of viability has been moved back some from you know the 1970s when mm -hmm. Roe versus Wade was decided, but that we're still looking at that 22 to 24 week threshold uh, as a point before which it really is basically impossible, I, I think, for the fetal life, at least as I understand it, but again, mm -hmm. I'm not an expert. Um, so there has been some change, but it hasn't been like radical change uh, with respect to the underlying science and the underlying facts. So this, So New Hampshire, Let's bring into that a little bit. So we recently had in the, in, in Concord, New Hampshire here, where the law school is, uh, brand new laws put place restricting abortions that were passed through the budget. We won't talk about the the divisiveness of how the how it came to be uh, necessarily, but it seems like this is a much more of the kind of proper way that the Supreme Court would like the abortion regulations to go into effect. Yeah, I mean, the New Hampshire law that was passed actually regulates directly. And so to the extent that there are arguments to be made that that law is unconstitutional, somebody could bring a lawsuit against those who are charged by the statute with enforcing the law and seek an injunction preventing them from enforcing the law. That's how it usually works. That's how these laws get struck down. What you do is the legislature passes a law that is believed to be unconstitutional. You don't bring a lawsuit against the legislature. Again, individual legislators enjoy legislative immunity. What you do is you bring a lawsuit against the enforcement agent, who is a state official, um, and you say that that you know you you, you make you make an argument that for an injunction preventing that state enforcement uh, officer from being able to enforce the law. A common theme we talk about when it comes to the abortion rights so we've, you've had in your constitutional connections articles and such is patient privacy is a key factor. I mean, how does does this play in at all with what Texas has done in some other states? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things there, there's there's you know there's so many aspects to this right. to this topic. One of them is that um, those who oppose you know abortion regulation believe that it intrudes upon the physician you know patient relationship in a way that is improper. Um, now that you know, that's just another way uh, of arguing that it's important that there be some constitutional protection recognized for this procedure. Um, the trend of the law, though, has really been away from that. 
big picture, I'm imagining this is going to become more and more states' rights issue when it comes, or states' decision issue uh, when it comes to how abortion is going to be done based on the makeup of the court. Yeah, I mean, I do think that the court is going to see that you know if the, it really released this and allowed this to stay in 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 effect long term, um, that it would cause real problems. Um, I, I, you know, again, it, it, it invites other states to engage in similar shenanigans and to just bypass the court system altogether. And if other states start doing that, I, I can't imagine. I mean, the court, the, the conservative justices did not say that this was okay. They just refused to enter a stay mm-hmm. at this point. And, and in doing so, they said, look, we're not deciding anything about the merits of the abortion, nor are we even really deciding about any of these procedural issues. We just think that there are some difficult issues that preclude us right now from stepping in. I can't imagine that the court's going to be okay with this type of law uh, long term right. um, because it really steps on the toes of the court. Yeah, I hope, especially based on the, the issue of it can be applied to other things and it can just snowball into making just overly complex state laws that are almost unenforceable, I'd imagine. That's right. Like, for example, these immunities, the legislative immunity and judicial immunity that's making it complex to bring an action to keep this law from going into effect those are largely judge-made doctrines. Um, and so, you know, doctrine changes over time um, when there's a perceived need for the doctrine to change. Um, and so I would expect that that would happen. All right. So we got like two minutes left here. So can you give a quick plug for the Rudman Center, which you are the director of? Absolutely. So the Rudman Center here at UNH Law supports students who are interested in public interest and public service. Uh, We like to say that that's not a subset of our students. Even our students who are going into intellectual property to become patent litigators are entering a profession where service is expected of lawyers, pro bono service, service on boards, and things like that. So we try to support um, the mission of public service. Uh, Our biggest program is our Summer Fellows Program. We provide stipends to students who work for government agencies or nonprofits without pay and provide pro bono legal services to vulnerable populations. We pay their living expenses over the summer so that they can provide those services. Uh, We have, uh, in the past couple of years, been able to provide stipends to every single student uh, who is able to land an appropriate position. Uh, And the value of those services uh, has been in excess of $1 million for each of the last couple summers. So we feel like we're making an impact. That's just here in New Hampshire. Not all of our students stay in New Hampshire, but many do, and many work here in New Hampshire. Thank you so much, John Gravy, Director of the Warren B. Rudman Center for Justice, Leadership, and Public Service. You can learn more about the center at law.unh.edu slash Rudman. Thanks for listening to Legal Impact, presented by UNH Franklin Pierce School of Law. To help spread word about the show, please be sure to subscribe and comment on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.